Hi everyone, Pastor Michael here, and I want to thank you for tuning in to our sermon podcast. I want to encourage you to use this resource in addition to, and not in place, of belonging to a local church body as you grow in your faith. If this sermon is a blessing, would you consider giving back to Springs Church? You could do that by giving on the app or by visiting the gift tab on our website at springs.church. I pray this sermon increases your passion for Christ and helps you grow in your walk with God. Good morning, Springs Church. It's really a a great honor and a joy to be here. It's one of our favorite places to come when we come from Europe back into the States. This is one of our most favorite places to come and visit with you. And of course, we, we love Pastor Michael and Beth with all of our heart. And that's the cherry on the cake for us. <clears throat> we are, we've been in uh, Switzerland now for three and a half years. In June, it'll be four years. Um, <clears throat> and God is blessed. And we have a, a decent-sized congregation, but we have a lot of turnover. In Geneva, we have one of the largest, outside of New York City, we have one of the largest Um, UN stations where people come from all over the world to work at the United Nations, different NGOs, and they come for like two years, three years, and then they go. So it's very difficult to to build a continuing growing church when they move so so often. And so things change quite a bit. But we get the opportunity to invest into these lives that take the message that we give them back to Africa, back to China, back into Europe, back into other places. And so really, we're sowing into lives that they can then take back these truths back to their home countries. And so that's really, when you take a look at the congregation, it may be small, but the effect that it's having worldwide is amazing because they take this message back. Now, we've been laying a foundation of the new covenant in this church, And uh, we're going to get into that just a little bit this morning. Please stand with me as we pray and dig into the Word of God this morning. Father, we thank You for this house. We thank You that right here in the springs, we know that there's, like the airline companies tell us, thank You for choosing us. We know that there's many choices available, but You've selected us. And so, Lord, we, we feel the same way when we come to the house of God. There's many places that we could go worship, but this is our selection. This is where we come to worship, to be set free, to love on you, and we give you thanks. We pray for Pastor Michael and Beth and the elders and the, the other leaders, the pastors, Pastor Dave and the other leaders. We thank you for this oasis in the desert. And we, we pray your blessing in Jesus' name. Amen. You may be seated after you shake someone's hand. <clears throat> so one of the questions that we get asked as we do a lot of teaching on the finished work of Christ It's a grace-based message that we have, and we we preach it strongly. But one of the questions that we get asked when we lay this foundation of the finished work of Christ is, how do you deal with sin in this environment of a grace-based teaching and preaching? How, How do you deal with somebody who loves the message, but then falls back into a sin gets caught up in a new sin, or things just happen in their lives. How do you deal with that? Do you just turn a blind eye? Is it a greasy grace that you just turn a blind eye to, or do we lay on them a little bit of legalism to make sure that they don't do it again? You know, neither of those are great answers. Like I mentioned in the first service, you know, the biggest difficulty that we have when, when you're teaching on the finished work of Christ, is we, we don't want to give people license to think that they can sin like the devil and there's no consequences. See, that's not a good thing at all. And yet, on the other side, you don't want to lay down all these legalistic things 
that they get discouraged because they can't fulfill them. So between legalism and licentiousness, there's this word liberty. And it's the liberty that is in Christ where we see where, where the message fits and where lives are changed. And so we're going to talk about that. We're going to talk about how God deals with us under this teaching of grace and this new covenant. We're going to take a look how God deals with us. And to do this, we, I'm going to draw from the life of Jacob, Esau and Jacob. And it's, it's a great story in the Old Testament. And I'm sure that if you've been a Christian for some time, this is not new to you about the life of Jacob. Esau and Jacob were twins. And it just so happened that Esau was born first as the firstborn of the, the two, the twin. And so to him, it was conferred that he would, as the firstborn son, he would receive the blessings of God. And uh, <clears throat> so we're going to take a look at this. He would be the, the one to receive actually three blessings from Isaac, his father. Now, now just track with me a little bit as, we, as I build this out, and then we'll get into some preaching on this. So... First of all, the first blessing, there's three blessings that Esau would have got. The first blessing is the double portion of inheritance as the birthright of the firstborn. And so there's this, this inheritance, and this inheritance is, in particular, it's two-thirds of the family's wealth, which included finances, livestock, possessions, and land. And so two-thirds was going to go to Esau, one-third would have gone to Jacob. Included in this first blessing that is going to go to Esau was the lineage, the name, the title name of the family. It would be through that person that the lineage of Christ would ultimately come. And so it was very important that in this first inheritance that there was this lineage. In this case, as I mentioned, it's Christ. Now, Jacob, he wanted this. Now, I'm not sure when I read the Scriptures that, you know, God loved Jacob and hated Esau. And I think it's because God loved Jacob is because he wanted the things of God. He, he wanted something. The way he got it was not the correct way. God could have done an amazing thing, but he went about it in, in you know, exactly the wrong way. And so we, we take a look at how Jacob cheated Esau when Esau came back after you know, a couple of days out in the fields hunting, he came back with nothing, he, he didn't get bag any game, and so he, he's back, he's hungry, and we know the story <clears throat> that uh, Jacob has this, you know, this pot of lentils, this big old soup, the stew going on, and and wow, smells so good. Esau comes in and Jacob says, now I'll tell you what, I'm going to give you as much of this stew as you want to polish off. It's yours. But you've got to give me your birthright for it. Well, you know, Esau is so hungry. He says, absolutely. So he passes off the birthright. Now, the reason why he's not too anxious is because there's a second blessing that is going to come to the firstborn. So that was the first one, the inheritance. The second one was a pronouncement of blessing of the father on the firstborn son. Now the father here is Isaac, and he's going to pronounce a blessing of prosperity over the firstborn son. Now this blessing, it's important to understand that this blessing could not be retracted. So when the patriarch, the father, reached out and laid hands on his son and he pronounced this blessing on the son, on the firstborn son, whatever he said and communicated to that son could not be retracted. It's irretrievable. You can't take it back. Oh, it doesn't mean you can't take it back. Once you gave it, God honored it. So this is a very important process in the life of the patriarchs. And so the, 
And without this blessing, you didn't get the inheritance. So he's got the inheritance of, from his brother Esau, and he says, I'm gonna, this is my inheritance now, but he doesn't have it yet. He's got to get the blessing of his father. But as far as the father is concerned, he's gonna bless Esau. And so we know that with the help of Rebekah, that Jacob, they kill a little lamb, and then they take the skin, and they put it, and they wrap it around the arms of Jacob, because Isaac's eyes were gone. He didn't see very well. And so when Jacob comes into his daddy and says, Daddy, I'm here for the blessing. The moment that blessing is pronounced, he is the legal heir of the inheritance. So this is an important thing that's happening right here. But to get it, he has to cheat. He's already connived his brother out of this thinking of the, about the birthright. Now he has to cheat his daddy. And so he goes in and he says, Hi, Daddy, this is Esau. I've got your best meal prepared for you. It's not a game. It's actually a little sheep or something. And so he comes in and, and so Isaac can't see anything. And he says, you know, your voice sounds like Jacob. But when he reached out and touched the arm because Esau was really hairy and uh, he, he felt the arm and he smelled, he says, ah, th this smells like Esau. And so he's confused. And so he, he assumes that this is actually Esau. And then he confers the blessing upon him. So he steals the blessing. Jacob deceives his daddy. And he gets the blessing. And so when Esau comes back and he has got a deer and he's prepared it and he comes into his dad and he says, Daddy, it's the time that I get the blessing from you. And Isaac is shocked. Listen to what the scriptures say. In Genesis 27, verse 33 to 35, it says, Isaac, on hearing this, Hey, Dad, this, I'm Esau, I'm here, I've got your meal. When Isaac heard this, the Bible says, he trembled violently. He was so caught of God because he knew that this blessing was irrevocable. You couldn't take it back. Who did he give it to? This was, it was a huge deal. Who was it then that hunted game and brought it to me? I ate it just as before you came. And I blessed him. And indeed, he will be blessed. When Esau heard his father's words, he burst out with a loud and bitter cry and said to his daddy, Bless me too, father. Bless me. And he said, Your brother came deceitfully and took your blessing. Now listen. Jacob is now in line to get the two-thirds blessing. But there's a problem. Are you, are you picking out the problem with Jacob? He's doing nothing right. He wants it, but he's doing nothing right. He's doing this by hook or by crook. I'm going to get this thing if I have to bend over backwards. You know what I mean? And so that's the situation, number three. Now, here comes the third blessing. And you only get the third blessing if you've got the pronouncement by the Father and you've also received the idea that you're going to get the inheritance. Once the person gets that, then they are directly in line to get the Abrahamic blessing or the Abrahamic covenant. And this was associated, like I said, with the one receiving the blessing. And so the covenant was always passed on. So this covenant that was made with Abraham many years before Isaac was born, many years before Jacob was born, this covenant was made with Abraham. It was done, signed and sealed and finished. It's a completed item. And so that gets conferred onto the one who got the blessing and the inheritance. And so now his life is going to be one that is going to be governed and blessed by God. 
And so you, you have to start thinking about this. It's an everlasting covenant. And listen to what Genesis says about it in, in 28. It says, May God Almighty bless you and make you fruitful and increase your numbers until you become a community of peoples. May He give you uh, and your descendants the blessings given to Abraham so that you may take possession of the land whereon you, you live as an alien and God gave, that God gave to Abraham. And so here the blessing of the Abrahamic covenant is now passed on to this, this young guy. So he leaves. Now, in the meantime, what's happened at this point is that Rebecca, mama, has heard that Esau is so angry. Esau is so angry with his brother that he has made a commitment. He says, I'm going to kill him. And so when... When Jacob, when his mama comes to him and says, hey, honey, because he was a mama's boy, like me, I was a mama's boy. There's nothing wrong with being a mama's boy. <laughs> I love my mom. And so did Jacob loved his mama. And, and so mama comes to him and says, you've got to get out of here, man, and you've got to go fast because I just heard that your brother is about to kill you. Well, fear struck Jacob so deeply into his spirit that he started making plans to go. So he goes to his daddy. He says, Daddy, send me away. I want to go to Uncle Laban to go find a wife. And that's the excuse and to get out of the way of Laban who wants to now kill him. And so on the way he's, he's going, he's only got a staff. He's got a cruise of oil. And in reality, Isaac sends him with nothing. And you've got to say, why does a rich father not send his son, who is now blessed, with anything like financial support or a couple of extra donkeys or camels or whatever? He's just leaving with a staff and with a cruise of oil in his hand. It's because Isaac understood that the moment that the Abrahamic covenant was conferred upon him, that God would take care of him. That there would be nothing that he would lack. Every enemy would be fought. He would be led by God. And so Isaac sends him out. So he gets into the desert. He lies down. He has this dream. He sees God at the top. The angels are ascending and descending. And he calls the place Bethel. Now, you, you gotta, you've got to stop. This is a good time to stop and to ask the question. How can God... Bless a lying cheat, a conniving liar, cheating individual. You see, this is what people fear when we preach and teach on grace. Because people think they fear a strong grace message because they think, they, they automatically think of greasy grace. That you could go sin like the devil and it's okay. And, and you can look at the scriptures that this guy has done nothing right from the beginning. He's, he's stolen, he's cheated, he's, he's you know, impersonated, he's lied. And now we see God blessing him giving him this vision of, hey, Jacob, I'm up here, I'm with you. Look at the angels ascending and descending. It's, it's like, God, don't you know what a lying cheat this is? And see, that's where people have a lot of questions in their heart under a message. They knew I would have answered it. Hello, this is God. <laughs> and so you, you've got this issue of God blessing somebody who really, if that person came in here, we'd say, you need to repent. There's no blessing for you. And so, so these are the kind of things that we, we, we deal with. It's a good time to stop and ask the question, how can God justify pronouncing that blessing? Well, number one, the blessing of Abraham was made before Jacob was born. And it does not require Jacob to be good or bad. It is 
it's a sealed deal done, finished covenant. The same as the new covenant, it's finished. You cannot add to it by your good behavior and you cannot subtract from it from your not so good behavior. It's a covenant, it's signed, sealed, finished, done with. And this is how God is honoring this young man. Now, so how can you reconcile this? How do we reconcile something like this where, where there's this life that is just messed up and yet we see the blessing of God? How's God going to deal with this guy? Well, I'm going I'm to propose two things to you today. That God has two ways of dealing with us under the message of grace and the, and the finished work of Christ. There's two ways that he deals with us. And I'm going to take a scripture from the New Testament to show this to you. And then we'll end because the title of this message is Rendezvous. Not just because we're learning French, but it's, it's a rendezvous. It's, it's a rendezvous. It's a time of meeting with God. This is a rendezvous meeting today. You are meeting with God in this house. So it's, it's time for a rendezvous with God. And so we're going to take a look at this, and I'm going to take this verse of Scripture from Galatians chapter 6, verses 7 and 8. Now listen to this verse. Do not be deceived. Sometimes I'm deceived, thinking we can act the way we want to act, and there's no consequences. God is saying, don't be deceived. God cannot be mocked. Hey, Jacob, see how you've been living? You're not mocking God by living the way you want to live like a cheat and think that you can just get God's blessings free of charge in that sense. And so God cannot be mocked. A man reaps what he sows. The one who sows to please the sinful nature will reap... Destruction, but the one who sows to please the Spirit from the Spirit will reap eternal life. And so it is called a universal law. So Galatians 6, 7 and 8 is, we, we term that a universal law because you don't have to be a Christian and this law is going to work. In fact, is working out in the world. Non-believers, they wonder why all kinds of stuff is happening and, and things are going wrong. It's because there's a law, a universal law called sowing and reaping. And in the Christian realm, even more so that we need to be aware of this sowing and reaping. If you sow corn seed, what are you going to reap? Tomatoes? You think you're going to get Tomatoes? When you sow corn, no. When you sow corn, you're going to get corn. When you sow tomatoes, you're going to get tomatoes. Whatever you sow, that's what you're going to reap. And in fact, you're going to reap a whole lot more than what you sowed. You sowed a single seed of corn, you may get two ears. And you've got a lot of seed on those that will come out of that harvest. And so you've got the sowing and reaping that is taking place. So when you think of Jacob, Jacob, yes, you wanted the two-thirds you know, blessing. I think he just wanted to be wealthy, but that's just my thought. But you wanted, you got it the wrong way. What you did to your brother, you sowed a seed that's going to come upon you. It's going to happen. You can't stop it. If you toss seeds into the ground, they're going to grow. Does that make sense? And so Jacob might have thought he's getting away with a whole lot of things here, deceiving his daddy, and then suddenly he leaves. But now, this is going to track behind him. So when, when Jacob leaves, he isn't walking down the street going, whoa, I've got a whole new beginning. I'm going to Uncle Laban. I've got the inheritance. I've got the blessing. I've got the Abrahamic covenant. God showed up. Whoa! 
Can life get any better? No. Let me tell you, he's leaving because he is gripped by fear. Fear is in his heart. And the Bible tells me that fear has torment. So he's not some happy camper that is just walking away down the road thinking, man, I got them. I, I pulled the wool over their eyes. <laughs> I'm the one who's going to get blessed. The blessing is there, but so is sowing and reaping. So when he gets to Uncle Laban, he sees this gal at the watering hole. Oh, this is Richelli. Richelli, she's Italian, Pastor Michael. He falls in love with Richelli. Buongiorno, Richelli. See? He falls in love with Rachel, Rachel. And uh, so, so he's, he's in love with her. So when he goes to Laban, Laban says, you have to work seven years to get my daughter. And we know the story. So after seven years, the wedding takes place and he wakes up and he doesn't see Richelli. He's got Leah. Well, how do, why did you deceive me? Why, why were you so, so deceptive to me, Uncle Laban? What's going on with you? Well, you know, and he gives an explanation. But listen to me. Can you see what's happening? Jacob maybe isn't understanding why he is being cheated or taken advantage of. Guess why? Because he sowed those seeds over here back home. And now they're coming to roost. Now they're coming into full production. Uncle Laban is the perfect person to allow the sowing and reaping to work. And then it goes on. So he works for another seven years. He gets Rachelli. And then when he goes to get his paycheck from Uncle Laban, it's been changed. Didn't you promise me this? Yeah, but no. You're going to get this. Why are you doing this to me? Ten times in 20 years, Laban changes Jacob's salary. Now, does he have a right to get bitter and twisted with Uncle Laban? Well, maybe he does, but listen to me. This is a product of what he sowed. He's living on the fruit of what he did back here. Now it's coming to place. And so we have some people say, just bind the devil. This is, must be a devil attack coming against us. And we can come up with all kinds of things. But maybe, just maybe, you've been sowing the wrong kind of seed. Sometimes we've got kids that are going wild. I don't know why my kid went wild. What's going on, women? Get my lunch. I don't know why my kids are going crazy. They don't want to stay at home. Do my washing for me. We sow so many seeds and then when the fruit comes, we say, God, why? When it has already been determined by you, by what you sowed into the marriage, what you sowed into the kids, what you sowed into your co-workers. I know it's not a happy, clappy message. And I hope that you're feeling fine. It'll end good at the end, I promise. <laughs> We'll, we'll end on a good note, I promise you. I'm going to do my best. See, I maybe just deceived you, so I'm going to reap. <laughs> you see, and then when he flees, Laban, just like he fled his brother Esau, he's not leaving on good terms. He's sneaking out at night, gathering his family and fleeing after 20 years. He's still doing the same kinds of stuff that has taken place. Even when he was getting his own, own flocks, he would take them and he would do all these crazy things and, and they would multiply and Laban would come and say, oh, but you use my animals, these are mine. And so Laban would be taking his money, taking his flocks. It was a frustrating 20 years in the life of Jacob. Don't tell me that you can do things that are wrong under the covenant of God and think there are no consequences. 
Yes, the blessing of God is amazing, but there are consequences to how you choose to sow seed. I know. Listen, I've repented more times than I like. I have, I have been ugly, I have been mean-spirited, I have been boastful, I have been... I've, I've done so many things, not real big sins, but those are big enough, right, Nalene? And so I always use this verse of Scripture when counseling and talking to people and when someone who's belligerent at me and, and their spit is going on my face, I'm thinking, I want to clock you. I don't do that, but I counsel them. I speak good words. I speak words of hope. Why? Because I know I have in the past dealt with people and then wonder why somebody is dealing with me with a mean spirit. And God just says, well, didn't you deal with that person in a mean spirit a year ago? <sighs> you mean by doing this, this is the result? Exactly. And so we, we, you've got to understand this. You've got to understand that you cannot walk out of this door thinking that you can be a gunslinger and uh, bad term. Um, bad term. Erase that off the mind. You, you cannot walk out of here and think that you can just get on a horse and gallop into the sunset any which way you want without consequences. You, you have to recognize that God is asking you to sow the right kinds of seed as a Christian. Honey, I love you. Isn't that a good seed? Well, she's words of affirmation, so she knows whether I'm telling the truth now or not. But we are about to celebrate 70 years of marriage. Next Friday, 70 years with the same person. That's what I said, 50. I don't know where you got 70 from. I turned 70, by the way, in November. It's like a, it's like a catch-22 for me. In November, I turned 70, and in January, I'm married 50. But I love you. So we've got this, this sowing and reaping. But let me tell you something. There's, there's light at the end of this tunnel. So when you open the back door and you take a look and you say, wow, how did so many weeds come, grow up in our garden? Yeah, man, it's just, it, it, weeds are just choking everything out. How did my life get so choked up with so many problems, so many attitudes, so many wrong concepts, so many wrong thoughts, so many wrong angles inside of me? What happened? I thought, well, I'm under this amazing covenant of God's love and grace, and how come I've got all of these things going on inside of me? It's because you've been sowing that now there's a time of reaping. But the good news is, there is a roundup of all roundups. You can kill every single weed that you've sown in your life or someone else's life. You don't have to have the consequences that have come upon as we take a look at Jacob and see those consequences. You don't have to have those consequences you know, come upon your life. There is a roundup of all roundups and it's a simple word called repentance. It's a great weed killer. When you know that you've said something that is wrong, you've done something that is bad, when you've had an attitude that stunk, and it's hard to reverse those things. There is a weed killer called repentance. And when you just say, God, I recognize the folly of my way. Please forgive me. It doesn't mean that God's, when, when, when you fall into sin, it doesn't mean that God has left you. It doesn't mean that we've got to get some promises today to give to you. It doesn't mean that. But what it does mean is that you can stop the harvest of what you've done in the past from destroying your present and your future by simply coming to God and saying, honey, will you forgive me if I've ever done anything wrong? No, when I do wrong. 
you can put that weed killer right on the problem. That bad attitude, it's coming to you, but you can get rid of it by repentance. Well, I've repented, and now there's still bad things happening. That's called consequence to what you've done. And when there's consequences to what you've done, God isn't holding this over your head, but the consequences you may have to walk out. But this is where it gets real interesting in covenant theology is that God says, I've got more amazing grace for you in your difficult times. So when you have to walk through some of the consequences of wrong decisions that you have made, God says, I've got grace for you. I'll give you my mercy. I'll give you my presence. I'll walk with you through this journey. But you've got to have the courage to face that you have been not the best person. And you have sown some dumb seeds. And they're going to get you. <laughs> I love this kind of preaching, Pastor Michael. But the good news is repentance is the most powerful message in the Bible. How many times has my wife just loved it when it comes to, honey, I'm sorry. Forgive me. It's, it's, there's, there's something so good in the heart when someone comes up and you know that they haven't spoken to you and you've seen them in the grocery store and you're walking down and you see them in the aisle, they see you and they duck into another aisle because they don't want to see you. It's because you've hurt them, you've wounded them, or they've hurt you or talked about you and wounded you. And so, so you're ducking and diving you know, through all the aisles that you don't cross paths. But the moment that you have that confrontation of one cart against another cart, ah! and the person is expecting the worst, and they hear, hey, I'm sorry, will you forgive me? Do you know what kind of life that generates in that person? Do you know what kind of life that generates inside of you? It's like it renders not only the sowing and reaping powerless, but it renders Satan from attacking you, bringing that depression. It's, it's that amazing. And that's why I call this message rendezvous because Jacob, after 20 years, now listen to me, 20 years from when he started this nonsense, 20 years, and you think, well, 20 years, come and gone. God, God doesn't, obviously he's not dealing with Jacob because 20 years have come and gone. Don't you kid yourself. God has a good memory. So 20 years later, We've got this rendezvous that God has planned for Jacob. <laughs> and as he crosses that Jabbok River and he hears from one of his team members who went on top of the hill and with binoculars saw a cloud of dust and counted, he says, ah, that's Esau. Oh, 100, 200. 300, 400 armed soldiers coming your way. You see, what happened to Jacob at that moment was his greatest fear. What he had sown was now going to be reaped. And his brother with 400 trained men are going to kill him. That's what he thought. There's no escape. God it's taken 20 years, but God has this rendezvous before the cloud of dust can get any closer. God is meeting with Jacob. And he's wrestling all night with Jacob. And so, so listen to this. So Jacob was left alone and a man wrestled with him till daybreak. And when the man saw that he could not overpower him, he touched the socket of Jacob's hip so that his hip was wrenched and he, as he wrestled with the man. Then the man said to him, let me go for daybreak has come. But Jacob replied, 
No way, Jose. I will not let you go until you bless me. Now, don't pass over this. I'm going to come back to this, but don't pass over this portion of Scripture too fast because what Jacob is saying, he's saying, God, I'm, I'm sick of trying to get the blessing in my own strength. I'm tired of all this energy that I expend. It's wearying. I'm wore out. I don't want to continue doing the same things over and over again and getting, thinking I'm going to get a different result, but the same result comes back. It's this seed that I've sown is now coming back into my life. And so we've got Jacob who is saying, no, no, I, I'm, I'm tired. I'm finished with trying to do this in my own strength, do it in my own imagination, trying to do this out of my own way. I'm sick of it. I'm tired of it. I want blessing from God now. I want God's blessing. I don't want my energy. I want His energy. I want what He has got for me. So no, I'm not letting you go until I know that I can lay this other to rest and I can walk in that which is from God. Wow. What a rendezvous. And so the man says to him, well, what is your name? I want to check you out if this is genuine. What is your name? Well, his name is Jacob. And Jacob in the Hebrew means heel catcher, deceiver, liar, cheat. It means all those kinds of things of the flesh when we try to do things in the energy of the flesh thinking we're going to reap spiritual blessings. It doesn't work. My name is Jacob. I'm fleshly. I'm a deceiver, a liar. And the moment he said that, he said, your name has changed. I'm going to call you Israel because you've persevered with God. Hallelujah. Come on, give God thanks. There's that moment of rendezvous. There's that moment of time. And then when Jacob goes from this point on and he goes to meet his brother, there's still a lot of things he's working out, still putting animals ahead, a gift for Esau. And so Esau, when he sees the gift, he says, what are all these animals? What, what, what is all of this? And so Jacob's, no, nah, it's a gift for you. Take it. You know, God has been good to me. You take this thing. And so then Esau makes a statement in this chapter 33. In chapter, this is 32 in chapter 33. You can read it for yourself later on in Genesis. And so, so Esau makes a statement and says, no, you can keep it because I've got everything. I've got everything. And when he uses the word everything, in the Hebrew translation, it means excessive. It means a large amount. He says, so he's saying to Jacob, Jacob, don't keep your paltry little gift in, in that sense. He says, because I've got, I've got excessive wealth. I've got excessive animals. I've got excessive laborers. I've got excessive, excessive, excessive. I've got all of these. I'm so excessive. I'm so rich. I'm so blessed. And then Jacob replies to him in the next verse down and says to him, I too have everything. But see, with Jacob, the Hebrew word for everything in the English is translated all. I've got it all. You might have excessive, but I've got it all. So when you do things right with God, He just doesn't bless you so that you can say, oh, I've got excessive blessing. He comes and He says, no, I'm giving you everything that I am. I'm giving you all that the kingdom offers. You're going to get everything. When you do it right, my way, you get it all. And I tell you today, when you've got Jesus in your life, you've got it all. You lack no good thing in Him. If there was a chair, I would stand on it. I'm, I'm serious. I'm amazed some of you haven't jumped up in your chair and started shouting because this is what God is doing in this church, in your life, as individuals. He's increasing this. And so, 
we see that he gets it all. Let me bring this to a close. So in the New Covenant, we have this rendezvous. God is meeting with us all the time. And, you know, when I look back and I see Jacob in all of his wranglings, I'm going to give you a, a, quick, a, a quick story, and then, and then we'll bring it to a close. Where we live in France, just across the border of Switzerland, it's cheaper to live in France, we just cross the border, there's no, no big deal, it's just like crossing a state line, and we have our church in Geneva. But where we live, there's this hill. We call it a mountain, but it's really a hill. When we look at the Rockies, it's a hill. And um, so this hill close to where we live has got its own French name. Uh, I won't re- try to even say it. But we've dubbed it Cow Mountain. To us, it's Cow Mountain. Why? Because it's open to the public to go onto the top and walk all the trails and blah, blah, blah. But also the farmer releases his cows on the field as well. And so the, you've got all these cows with these bells around their neck. And so Nolene often says to me, let's go up to Cow Mountain. It's so romantic with all those bells on the cows, ding, 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 as they, they're walking around. And there's a whole herd of these cows. And you've got all through this valley, ding, 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 ding. And so when you get up to this place that's so romantic, You've got this cow eating, ding, 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 ding. And my wife just thinks it's so romantic. I'm thinking it would, it's driving me crazy. Can you imagine being that cow? Ding, 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 ding. It's like that phone starts ringing. It took me off my message. Why? Because it's ringing. It should be answered. Don't keep it ringing. Take the bells off. Anyhow, on this cow mountain. It's, it's really a, a great place to kind of take a walk. But there's a lot of cow patties. Tons of them. And so when you walk, you're walking like this. This is really romantic. <laughs> Come on, honey. I have tried to get her to step in one. And uh, I had to repent. So I'm walking through all the cow patties. Our dog loves the smell of cow patty. And, and so we have to keep him from rolling in the stuff. But you see, you see, folks, sinners like this, how many of you, instead of avoiding it, reach down and pick it up? Oh, this is really warm still. So this is new. Oh, let's pick it up. Oh, this is great. Oh, yeah. A little pungent, but actually I can smell the grass in this thing. Oh, this is really great. Nice. Hey, put some on my neck. This is great perfume. And then they, you start rolling in cow patties. How many would like to do that? You see, that's how God sees sin. Like these cow patties. And, and what he wants, he wants to keep you from destroying your life. By revealing all these things, you you might think something is small to get involved into, but it's going to harm you. And that's why God says, when you've been digging in the cow patties, repent, walk away from it. And so this is what we're going to do today. I've got two closing statements that I want to make. Number one, I think in my heart here today, because I... I'm thinking of my own life on how many times I've done things wrong and had to repent. I've done it a lot, folks. And so I've repented and asked for forgiveness. But I know that in the house today, there's many of you here, and you're saying, I don't know why things keep going wrong in my life. But maybe today God is saying, you sowed the seed, and now you're reaping. And you need to deal with it by repentance. That's number one. So I I think that there's some of you here that you need to come and hit this altar and say, God, I repent. I need your grace to now walk this out. I think you have to do that. It's so serious that I think that God is putting this message on my heart for you because he loves you so much 
that he does not want to see your life destroyed. You need to come. That's number one. But number two, I've got five covenant blessings. These are promises from God that will keep you in the coming days. That will keep your life. And I want to be like Isaac this morning in that sense and pronounce these irrevocable blessings on you so that when you walk out of those doors today, you're walking out with it all. And you're walking with these five irrevocable pronouncements of God's protection and keeping power over your life. So please stand with me all over the house. Just stand with me this morning. I'm going to ask you, just bow your heads, close your eyes. This is your rendezvous with God right now. Your eyes are closed. You're not looking around. You're looking into your own heart. You're checking yourself out. It's rendezvous time for you. And if God has been speaking to you the way you've spoken to somebody else, dealt with somebody else, handled your own life, and you need to repent, take courage today to do it. Now, I'm not going to embarrass you. Now, Father, I pray for those here today. Today, that seed that has been planted comes to an end. That seed that would have been destructive is about to shrivel and die on contact with the word called repentance. While every head is bowed, every eye is closed, if that's you, and you want to get things right, just put your hand straight up and put it down again. Just put it straight up, right across the house. Look at this. Tons, of, tons and tons of hands. Okay. Okay, put them down. Put them down. I'm not going to embarrass you because we're going to have others join you this morning. How many of you want to have an irrevocable pronouncement of blessing over your life? How many want that this morning? Put your hands up and put them down. Okay, so that's pretty much almost everyone. So I'm going to ask you, you can look at me, please look up now, look at me. Whether you put your hand up for this or for this, I want you just to make your way out of your aisles right now. Just don't even think about it. Just step out of your seats right now and just come to this aisle. Just come pack this thing out in the front. Come get blessed by God. Come have a pronouncement of blessing upon him. Way at the back. Come on, young people. Come on down. You need this as much as everybody else. Come on down and get the protection of God, the blessing of God upon your life. These are actionable moments that instigate faith in your heart. These are actionable moments that stop the devil from robbing in your life. These are moments that you'll look back and know that that the whole backyard full of weeds was stopped instantly. And that tomorrow you're going to wake up and you're going to start seeing daisies. You're going to start seeing roses. You're going to start seeing the flowers, the good things that you planted that were being choked. Tomorrow you're going to start seeing a difference. Amen? Hallelujah. Folks, this is what Christianity is all about. These are the actionable steps that we take that generate faith, generate hope, generate an action that is not works, it is responding to the Holy Ghost for liberty in your life. Amen? Say with me, liberty is on the way. Now, I'm going to pray over you. I'm going to speak these really fast over your life. So I'm gonna, we're going to pray. Actually, let's just bow our heads. And those who need to repent, just do it, do it right now. 
silently just say, God, I repent. I've got to get this behind me. Forgive me, Father. Forgive me. Now the weed killer has been poured on. Now you can receive these where you would have felt unworthy. Now you can feel like, yeah, I can lay hold of these. Number one, here it comes. God says in John chapter 17, verse 15, Father, I pray that you protect them from the evil one. How many of you believe that Jesus' prayer was answered when he prayed? So number one, covenant blessing. When you walk out this door, you are protected by God. God will surround you by His Holy Spirit and protect your mind, protect your heart, protect your kids, protect your lives. God says, I will protect you from the evil one. So say together with me, I receive it. Number two. I will put my fear, Jeremiah 32, 40 says, I will put my fear in your heart that you will not depart. You see, what God says in this covenant promise, I'm going to put such a, a desire and respect for God in your heart that when you wake up in the morning, you're going to think, God, I love you. Where did that thought come from? It came because God has put that fear in your heart. So He puts the fear, the reverence, of himself into the heart so that you can wake up in the morning and say, God, I love you. Before you even drink that first sip of coffee, God, I love you. Amen? Number three, I will put my spirit in you and my law into your heart. Now, in the beginning was the Word, the Word was God, and the Word was with God, and the Word became flesh and dwelt among us. So Jesus is the Word. So in in your heart. He says, I'm going to put such a love for the Word of God in your heart. You've read it before and it didn't make sense. You read it before and it was like, what is this, a dead book? And now you're going to wake up tomorrow. You're going to start opening up the pages again. You're going to start reading and God's going to start giving you revelation because He's going to put it in your heart, not in your head. He's going to put these things in your heart that you can lay hold of them by faith. You're just going to superabound in the things of the Lord. So, and then Luke 15. I will leave the 99 and I will go after that which is lost. If you lose your way, God has a covenant promise. I'm going after you to find you. If you've got kids that have lost their way, God's going to go get them. If you've got family members that have gone out the way, God is going to go after them. This is a covenant promise from the Lord. I leave the 99 and I go after those that have lost their way. Come on, folks. Say, I receive that. And number five, if we claim to be without sin, we deceive ourselves and the truth is not in us. If we confess our sins, those things that we've done and from getting them from coming back to us. He is faithful and just and will forgive us our sins and purify us from all unrighteousness. Folks, I want you to know today that this promise of God purifying your heart, you're walking out of that door and you can say, I am the righteousness of God in Christ Jesus. Yes, I said that yesterday, but today I am clean. Hallelujah. Come on, give God thanks for these promises in the name of Jesus. Receive them. Receive these upon you. So now let me pray. Father, I confer these five out of many blessings. I pronounce them over this congregation. I pronounce them over this congregation that this congregation has no alternative but to begin seeing people living in freedom and in joy and in the power of God's Holy Spirit. Because we proclaim this over this house and I proclaim these blessings over every individual as a father in the house. I bless you. Receive it and say thank you, Jesus. Amen and amen. Give God thanks one more time.
Thanks again for listening to our Springs Church podcast. For other exciting content from Springs Church, be sure to visit us online at springs.church. If you'd like to partner financially with Springs Church, you have the opportunity to give by visiting the Give tab of our website, springs.church.